This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast comes out every single day after the shift the night before or the morning before. It's kind of like an overnight plus the early morning, two-day, Groundhog Day. We never really know what day it is kind of podcast. On the podcast, we dive into Canadian singer-songwriter Forrest Black's new music, his poetry, and he shares some pieces of his unbelievable life story and how he uses it to connect with others. Ryan admitted to not knowing enough about Irish music. His last name's O'Donnell, just saying. And so we doubted and questioned his heritage. So after the conversation with Forrest Black is done, we are going to get into some of our normal shift shenanigans for you. Plus, are you okay with a McDonald's meal that was saved for 17 years? All of this coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. Sometimes in your life, you, you meet people and you don't realize that you've connected. And then you're lucky enough to meet them again. I've noticed this in my life. There is a pattern. It's almost like I've been introduced, the kismet part. I've been introduced to people and I wasn't ready. And then I was able to be reintroduced. And then I think I was ready. And there's a gentleman named Forrest Black who I can uh, happily say that. We met and I remembered him. I certainly remembered his music. And then we re-met. And then actually, Forrest, I would say uh, we remet again and, and got in touch, but now we've almost remet again on a whole new level of was we've both grown and changed sort of like a third time. That It means the world to me. Um, do you sort of see it that way or how do you see it? Yeah. I think every time you meet somebody, you meet them at a particular place in their life and a particular place in your life. And sometimes it comes together where you're you're at a similar place or at least somewhere close enough where you can relate. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're in completely different spots. And so you don't get that relatability. You don't get that like true, you know, character of connection. But I think then as you go out into the world and you do your thing, you're like, ah, wait a second. So sometimes it's like hindsight where you look back at somebody and go, I totally get where they were in their journey at that point. Because now I'm in a place similar to that. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the beautiful thing. Someone once said, not once, recently said to me, they go, you know, or maybe it was, I think it was in a conversation maybe. Um but it was, we discovered in this conversation that, you know, for some people, wherever they met you last is either the best or worst place you've been, essentially. Mm-hmm. You're either the best version of yourself or maybe not the best version of yourself. And that's a really interesting thought. It's like, you you know, as you're growing into yourself, you're like, yeah. man, someone met me and I was just an ass that day. I was just brutal. Yeah. Someone's like, oh, I met, they met you and you said something that inspired me. And you're like, I had no clue I did that. So anyway, I, t- long story short with you, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, I've met you at, it's at multiple stages of my life. And it's really cool to meet you now again. Yeah. Well, and I would even maybe add a fourth layer to that because we've also met over Christmas, um, which was in, in our old life. We never met at Christmas. And yeah, then Christmas this is the worst time of my life. <laughs> well, you hated Christmas for a long time. And, uh, and, but then now this year you've looked, your lens has changed. And then your Christmas this year became a, a whole different conversation. Um, and, uh, it's, which is exciting for me because I love Christmas. So I'm selfish that way, but I am excited by that. But the reality is, is there's a place where we didn't meet and now we've remet. And then I remember we had messaged there, I don't know, a couple months ago, I guess soon after Christmas. And, and it was, you know, Merry Christmas. And it was like the coolest thing to experience from my friend who was, who was never a big fan of Christmas before that. So, you know, it does go to show that, that things, that things do change. And in the belief system that in the belief system that we, the, all of the opportunities are presented in front of us. It's just on how we see them. 
I think I'm starting to see that now as relationships have unfolded over the course of time. And I've also learned that I was told long ago that in radio, you're only as good as the last thing you did on the radio. So don't, don't ever mail it in. Don't ever throw it away because that could be the last time they ever hear you. And so from that perspective, when I look at, you know, friendships, conversation, what if it is the last moment that you ever get remembered by? That's a pretty important moment, I would say. That's legacy right there. That's the definition of legacy. Yeah, yeah I think people on the other end of this are being like, wow, that went deep. Yes, we do do <laughs> but that. that. But that's true. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny because I, I was having a conversation about mental health this week with um, artists and it, primarily people who are in, you know, Armenia, Israel, Lebanon. So it's, just, it's an organization in, in Los Angeles that's built to help people in countries that don't necessarily have the same access that we might in North America. And um, that was part of the topic of conversation was like kind of, you know, what, what are you doing and why are you doing it essentially? And it broke down for me is like, there is a legacy in, in the visibility and like trying to be as visible as you can and then turning that visibility onto people and, and allowing them into that spotlight as well. So we can all feel this kind of success. Yeah. So it's been really, yeah, I think that legacy, that word is a big thing. You, you never know. You never know when the last moment is going to be. And I think people probably more so now than, then in, in a, you know, in recent history, it's like, you're feeling the fragility of your life. You're, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, a lot of scary stuff. So there's a lot of fear and you're going, am I going to make it out? Are we going to make it out? When is out? What does out look like? Yeah. What is is that it? Or is, is this, is this it? Have we plateaued? Have we peaked? And, um, and I think that that's right. What you're saying, like, yeah, those moments in time, like, is this it? Is, that's that the beauty in that, in that conversation. Well, it is. And, and the, the purpose, the intention and a purposefulness that we put into that. And I, I hear this from this conversation from the perspective of uh, our audience, who we call the shift head um, here on the shift. So I, I do hear that. You, you have to understand that many of these people are working nighttime to be more efficient. Um, you know, whether I love driving a truck, but their intention behind it could be, I love driving a truck, but I loved being a provider for my partner or my family. Or we get the text messages about people and the sacrifices they're making for their ex-wives, for the sacrifices they're making for their kids, and they're working at nighttime and, and when the show is on. And yet, you know, it's, that's, that's, it's not that deep, but it's incredibly deep at the same time. But I hear that legacy, right? That, that last conversation, the, you know, okay, honey, I'm off to work. I'll see you in the morning. That that's it. That that's all of this comes down to that simple moment of saying goodbye at the door to go to work too. It's not like this incredibly profound poetic moment. But it, it is. It is. It is poetic. It's at the same it, time. You know, like poetry is the order in which you put words on paper or on a you know the you know digital paper, whatever. Like it, or you know it, that is poetry. It's just how you rearrange a dictionary. Hmm. And so in those moments, it's like. I think, I think what, what helps people or maybe not helps people, how, how people decide to reveal that moment. It's like in, in songs, like, you know, like, so, you know, things are going well for me right now, but the song that I wrote isn't the most like cryptic, you know, well-crafted, like hidden messages of words and this and the most beautiful articulate words. Like, no, it, it, it's literally the most simple version of a, st- a song and a story that I could tell, but it seems to be that that's the, 
that's the poetry in it. It was collecting moments that people often forget. It's kind of like when you watch the best comedians in the world, it's not because they're funnier than anyone else. It's more just the fact that they take things that you, 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 you are like oversights and then they become the most incredibly funny things if just pointed out. It's like Jeff Foxworthy once was like joking about how men will take their underwear and always take their foot and flip it up in the yeah, air. I've heard that. Yeah. And as soon as he said that, I remember laughing really hard because I'm like, that's something I've done my whole life. And I think yeah. every guy. And so it's that, I guess what I'm trying to get at is relatability. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exposing normal things in a beautiful way and then saying it. Yeah. And simplicity too, right? It's simplicity. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's remarkable. So Forrest has, uh, this incredible, uh, history kind of started out sort of rock guy and then, um, got into the poetry thing. And I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg here. Forrest is poetry came first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense because then you got into this insightful singer songwriter style, um, that becomes a little bit more profound, if you will. It's definitely poetic. It seems to me that there, there's more of, uh, a closeness that's getting embraced in, in general around the poetry behind some of the songs. And there are pop songs that are the most simplest of pop songs that you might hear with a dance beat behind it. And you hear it on the radio and you've got your glow stick and you're having a great time. But the reality is as soon as you hear somebody take that down and strip it into a guitar, just an acoustic, say coffee house style singing it. And you're like, this is actually a really profound song. And we miss that as an audience, are we catching up as an audience or are songwriters embracing in today's world, the poetry part, less the marketing and glow sticks? I think kind of to speak to how, how this conversation started, I think that we're meeting each other. I think, I think people are looking to feel something. And I think the art is at a point in time where it's reflecting that same experience. You know, because I've been doing this the same way most of my career. I, I just love feelings and I love writing feelings out. And it seems to be what connects with people is that people want to feel something. And then I, here I am. I'm like, hey, I got my hand up over here. Like I, I feel a lot and I've written those feelings into songs. So I think that right now where we are in life, I think a lot of people are looking for that. They want to connect. They want to feel a deep sense of connection to a song and maybe an artist or a moment and so I just try and be that sonic landscape for people's moments. Whether you want to get married to one of my songs or, you know, I've had people use my songs when someone's passed away. And I even, there's a, a woman in Calgary um, who once gave birth while listening to an album of mine. And I was like, maybe I, I don't know if I would be listening to that album, but sure. <laughs> so I think, I think that just like where we are as people and as artists, like we've caught up to a point and I think people just have that deep desire to, to connect and feel something. How does that go ahead? So, well, how does that hit you when when these life profound moments are sort of anchored or punctuated by something that you created, and you get to hear back from that? Oh my god, it, it's it's mind blowing. It's so hard to to wrap my head around to, to think that I am in someone's moment, you know. And I think it's the one. It's the greatest compliment and the most incredibly humbling echo i've been calling it like this echo that you put yourself yeah, out and you hear totally. something come back yeah, that's exactly what it feels like yeah. but like right over the christmas holidays you know I, if you love her, it's taking off and it's doing all this stuff and so i've have people writing themselves into that story like left right and center i wrote it about a relationship that didn't go the right not right but didn't go the way i was hoping it was going to go mm -hmm. and one of the beautiful things about being a songwriter is you can honor people so I just really wanted to honor that relationship to say, Hey, I did love you. And the greatest act of love is to give 
whoever comes next, the kind of the roadmap to you to show you that I was paying attention. I just, maybe it wasn't in the way that you were hoping. So here's you best. I know it. And if someone else gets this, maybe they can grow upon it and they can really love you the way you needed to be loved because I, I miss that boat, I think. Um, so all, all that to say though, I, I wrote a, a spoken word piece called find me years ago. And this is like, man, the echo on this has been incredible. One, there's been people dancing to it all around the world. People have like the championship figure skaters from Canada broke all these world records using it. Mm-hmm. And I was actually supposed to fly up to Canada last March around this, around this time to watch it. They were going to compete at the finals mm-hmm. and then everything shut down, but I had tickets to go and see this in Montreal. Um, but th- so long story short though, or maybe it'll end up being a longer story trying to start it short. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I put find me out and there was this, this young woman reached out to me through social media right around the Christmas break. And she, uh, she said, you'll probably never see this. This is what a lot of people end up. They always write. You'll probably never see this. And I, yep. I would like read every single message that comes in, but, um, they're like, I need to know what this piece means. And she said, my, my father and I haven't really had a relationship and we don't really talk, but we share songs. And this song meant something. Um, and he sadly had taken his life. And I just want to know what this song means. This huh. spoken word. And so I jumped on a zoom call with her and her mom and they start telling me how this relationship between her and her father was going. And, and basically they were only communicating through songs and he would send a playlist and at the top of every playlist was find me, you know, and then it would be like a song of mine maybe, or another spoken word. And when he, when he took his own life, he left her some songs behind and at the top was find me. And that's why she wanted to know what it meant. And I had never told anybody the full gravity of the piece, but it is about transcending or leaving this place and hoping that you can love deeply enough that if you have the chance to come back, that maybe you'll find the connections with the people that you loved most. We may not look the same. We may not feel the same. We may not be in the same places, but there seems to be this meter inside of our hearts and in our souls where we walk down the streets and we see strangers one after the other and we say no it's not you that's a really bizarre thing to me but that no has always been evidence that a yes exists and the yes existing is a foreign and strange thought in itself because yes implies knowledge you have to have known something to say yes to it yeah and that is a very interesting thought and so i wrote that best i could and defined me and for at the time it was about for me, you know, if I loved the people I loved as much as I could, would I remember them if I woke up here again? And that takes me directly to, uh, first, I want to acknowledge how profound that is. Thank you. Um, the, the burden of that, yet um, the freedom that comes with it must be remarkable. I, um, the thing about knowledge is, the irony of all of it, is that knowledge is only a memory. Yeah. And so the many belief systems around the world um, use that and lean into that. And yet, if we could just be present to the fact that if you believe it, because you just know it's like, I know it's going to work out. I know I'm going to find her. I know this is the right one. There's something that's deeply woven inside us that sort of threads that knowledge. And when we could just realize the power we have in knowing that the knowledge, the memory's there, you're going to a place that is familiar. So then what does it feel like? What, what is it for you? And I find that that's where clarity sort of starts to step into when you can just embrace the present, accept that knowledge is a, is a memory 
and and find the honor that comes with that because that's pretty special. Yeah, I mean, even in Find Me, I wrote, I go, it's funny. You can make yourself believe almost anything if you think about it for long enough. Hmm. And that's that's the whole idea. It, it's 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 a stunning thing, and it's a incredible symbiotic relationship that you have with people when they connect to art. And I don't know where art comes from, man. I, you know, one of my I have an elderly neighbor that walks up and down the street every day with her walker, and she calls me the mayor down here because I talked all this. All, I'm <laughs> so Canadian, I just talk to everybody, yeah. and. uh she she asked me today. She goes. She she always checks in. She goes. You saw your songs on the charts. Wow, that's so good. Where are you on the charts? You know. And she's so <laughs> sweet and kind. And um, she goes. How do you do that though? How do you come up? I, she, if she ever heard this, she's like, "What is that accent?" But this is my little old lady accent. She goes, <laughs> that's good. How, how do you do that? Where does it come from? You know. And I'm like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I mean, maybe when I was younger, there could have been like some sort of ego because you have to be crazy enough to do this and write it all out and stuff. But as I think as you get older in this or more mature, you, at least for me, I don't know. I, I, the, the answer has become more of a question. Like, where does it come from? Like, how is it that I hear the world in the way that I hear it? That's so unique to me. And yeah, you can put a bunch of us songwriters in a room and how we're all doing it is completely different. It's so strange. And it's a beautiful thing. So to think that you can channel this kind of conversation in your head into lyric or melodies, and then you put it out, like you've done such a good service to your muse that you've put it out and there is an echo. It's like you've really honored that relationship between like the craftsmanship of trying to take a signal that's coming in and working it and refining it going, no, no, it's not. And that's that same yes and no thing. Like, why is it that I hear a melody and I go, that's not it. That's not the right melody. It seems like my muse is tossing a thousand things out and I have to pick what the needle is. Mm-hmm. I have to decide what is a haystack and what is a needle before I can even look for the needle in the haystack. Right. And it's such a cool thing. And then, again, it feels like when you've done the job right, there's a sigh of relief and you go, wow, how did that just all happen? You're and looking it, at it's like masterpiece. And it hits you. Yeah. And then now you're the spectator. You're no longer the artist. You're the yeah. interpreter. Yeah. And you're going, wow. Yeah. You go from like translator to, you know, to artist in this weird spot to interpreter and, and, and viewer of the art itself. And you, it's the, the privilege is that first you get to see it first. That's the biggest honor. And the second honor is what it does when it goes out into the world, because it feels like this muse is gone and it's doing its thing. It's talking. When you really serve it, like it maybe sounds a little hocus pocus, but it's like the, the more I think about it, that's all I can get to is that I'll never find the answer. I'm just an architect of questions. Well, yeah. and I, I don't think that I think people can relate to it. I don't think it's hocus pocus. And maybe it is. Maybe it is a bit of a belief system about these magical things that, that we go. And I would go as far as to say that, you know, for Muse, it's channeling. Um, and, and maybe that leans back into belief systems of, of what we channel. But at the same time, I think we all get those moments in our lives where something just feels right. And it can be, you know, you can look at a litter of puppies and look at the one and go, that's the one. Yeah. What is that? Right. It, it's just so simple. And we yeah. all go through those moments. And as like, you say, I'm going to get all emotional. I just got a pillow in from this company in the States. See it in the background. It's my, my dog. Yeah. And he passed away, but it's exactly what happened. I went and saw him. Wasn't even going to buy a dog. I just loved French bulldogs. And I walked in, I saw him and I'm like, that's it. It's done. You're coming. I did. I was looking for a chihuahua. I came home with a great Dane. <laughs> no joke. Like that, if that doesn't prove this point, then like, that's, like you ain't going, you, you found the opposite end of that spectrum. And but you know what? I, I've never, um, 
I've never wanted to go back. Like I, for me, it was the perfect dog. In fact, to the point where when uh, my Abbey dog passed away, I got to a point where I was like, I never need to have a dog again. That's where I'm at right now. I'm just like, I, I don't even know if I could. Yeah, I don't need one because I already have the dog. Yeah. So I, that experience for me right now is okay. I still love dogs. Dogs come around. I, you know, I scratch bums and do all the things and that, I, that the dogs love and I love. But the same thing is that I really just don't need another one. Cause I guess that part is sort of complete, which is, which is good. But tell you what, we're, let's take a break here for us and let's do, um, let's do find me. Wow. Go for it. We'll play find me. Um, and we'll come back with more with uh, Forrest black. I was once told that walking through a doorway could cause someone to forget even the most precious memories they had. Memories of good, memories of bad, memories of love and of loss. All tucked away neatly, stored like the worn-out blankets that were kept to dress the rainy days and bad habits that happened from time to time. Or what it felt like to rest your head on a friend's shoulder that still carries with it the creases from where you last placed your heart. Just like that. Gone within a single step. That somehow three beams and an imaginary line drawn across some old aching floorboards were all that stood between you and the infinite silence of the very things that once colored your mind with sound. It's funny. You can make yourself believe almost anything if you, uh, if you think about it for long enough. I was once told that the love I felt beating inside my chest was nothing more than my mind playing an unfair trick on my heart. And like a pair of dice dancing along the uneven pavement, their fate, much like yours or mine, had already been decided. That even the cracks that drew their faults between two opposing sides could not escape a fate that was always destined to be sealed. To think that someone could actually believe that the swelling tides of my heart were no more than an anxious highway of ins and outs anchoring my imagination to the castles I've been building in the sky. Well, maybe they are the crazy ones. Then again, I have been known to misplace my hope in the way things fall. And if I had to confess, there stands a greater chance that I've all but lost my mind in here. So I suppose it's better off this way. Because I've always believed that the odds of finding what you seek tend to favor those who are open to seeking them in the first place. And I, for one, have never quite understood how odds stand to get even without that frame in mind. To be clear, I've seen a million faces. I've seen a million different faces. Each one mirroring that of your own. And still, none of them have felt like home to me. None of them have felt like you. So here we are. And I can vaguely and strangely trace your outline. I can remember what it felt like to hold you. I can remember what it was like to stare blindly into your eyes for what felt like an eternity. How could I forget that? I could never forget that. I could never forget you. No matter how long it takes for my words to make their way through the vastness of this place we've called home, I unto you and you unto me, I say them and will continue to do so, day after day, night after night, never knowing if you'll actually hear them. There's no place for time here, 
Just overlapping moments where I thought I'd found you. Where I thought I heard the sound of your breath. Where I felt your heart as it waited patiently for mine, retracing the steps that we left in the life before last. Before our eyes closed. Before the great divide. Before a doorway stood between you and me. As it stands, I found myself in that doorway again. With both feet and in your heart on my sleeve. But I can't bring myself to walk through this time. Not yet, at least. Not until I take one last look and see that it was you. That it was always you. Our hearts strung across those old fragile floorboards. The silhouettes of each and every one of our memories playing out like a story that we both know we've seen before. I remember now. This was where I first found you. Beyond those closed doors, I will find you again. My love. I will find you again. Forrest Black, Shane Hewitt, it's the shift. Uh, we were talking about sort of the poetic side of uh, of your world, and the experiences are very similar in how we all go through them when we just know how things are right for us. But creating songs is is not is not hard, and I know that we have a lot of our shift heads who listen who who love to make music. Uh, play guitars where there's a lot of conversation around guitars and music here on the shift. And for those who don't make music certainly do not consume music, but experience music. It's, it's a, it's a lovely topic here on the shift. You do have a new song that that's come out and uh, it, it's, it's quite remarkable. And I, I wanted to share with you one of the pieces of the puzzle uh, here. Uh, why don't you tell us about the song? Tell us the name of the song and sort of how it hits you. And then I'm going to, uh, share what was shared with me. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you love her is the song. I wrote it because I, when you're trying to do what I'm trying to do, it's really easy to lose sight of what you need to take care of. Life starts to look a bit like a pyramid and I'm the type of person that would take care of things as they would come at me. And you forget that the base that holds you up is the base. And so instead you're taking care of the top. It's like, this is breaking. So you take care of it. It's such a like man brain thing to do. It is know? a man brain thing. You're absolutely and, right. And I'm some, I'm like trying to kind of weather the storm at the top. And I was in a long-term relationship and the weathering of the storm at the top, she was at the bottom. She was at the base. And you forget, you have this oversight. You forget that sometimes the simplest things are the things that mean the most to people. You know, it is, it is the, I love you at night or the, good morning. And you know, how'd you sleep? It seems like such a, a strange thing that there'd be so much weight in those, but it's exactly where the weight is. And my relationship had come to an end and it, it came to an end abruptly, which oftentimes it does. And it's hard. There's a real check yourself moment when that happens, especially if you did love somebody, you go, wow, that that's not what I was hoping for. How did that get misconstrued? And I tried. I tried for a long time to see if I could put the pieces back together with that person and it didn't, didn't work, but I tried, I put, I put the best foot forward and you know, I, I went on a trip to Australia for a month and tried to reconcile and we went on a trip together as, as singles 
it was very bizarre, but it was like, you know, just how the relationship had run its course. And it came to the end and, and it wasn't going to go forward. And I took a jet on that jet. I took a plane. <laughs> I, I was like, I was, I was that like, was a very plane. rock star moment. Actually. I call planes jets. I don't, I do not have a jet. Uh, I grabbed a plane with like 400 other people. <laughs> Make that clear. Um, <laughs> I grabbed the plane from Australia back to Los Angeles and I, and I literally arrived with a bag and a broken heart. And I, I just needed to find a way to sew the pieces of it back together. And I was pretty tired. I song written my heart out during the whole process. And it's like, just trying to get all that stuff out. And I went into the studio with this kind of last piece to confront. And I just really wanted to honor the relationship for me. I wanted to really provide the keys and a roadmap to the person who dated her next. I just wanted that person to get it right because I felt like what was missing was that there was an idea of me and what I could be when all that she ever wanted was a lot, a much more simple version. And I just literally wrote it out piece by piece. You know, this is who she is. It's quite the gift to give, um, somebody else or an ex, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, you know, it's the gift that we gave each other. I think that that's when you honor a relationship. It, those, those words would never have come without the experience. Well, with, um, you go as far into this as that you want to go. Um, this would be proof for the audience that we don't preface anything when we have conversations. Have you read Tiffany's post from two hours ago? Yeah, I did. I just read it before I got in with you. Yeah. Uh, so in your new relationship, um, there's the echo. The echo's back now, right? Because now you're creating from the echo of all these things. Uh, you're creating in a place where I see uh, companionship and, and friendship and trust and growth and um, openness and uh, willingness. There's a humbleness, holy cow, between the two of you. So, you know, it, you take that song, you fast forward it, and, and here you are today experiencing it. So just another link in the chain of your life, I guess. Well, I think I just started listening to the roadmap myself i think that that's the the beauty in that song is that you you can learn from where you were and i just try to make sure that you know i love my girlfriend i love the relationship that i'm in and i try to honor the relationships that didn't work by serving this one and getting it right and you know it's not always easy i think we're all bound to make mistakes as we go but i think that yeah, I just turned I turned that view inward a lot more to try and understand what it is I want, who I am, what I can offer, and to just be really honest about that as we go forward. And with Tiffany, she's like, one, she's just the most incredible person I've ever been able to be around. I just think who she is as a human being is like, wow, it's so special. And I think that the beautiful thing about us and our relationship and where we both are when we've met each other is that I try to be the best mirror for her to see who she, who I think she is and who I believe her to be. And she does the same, you know, like, man, I've, I've never been called handsome. That's, that's something I didn't realize. Like maybe once in a while, somebody may call me handsome. She calls me handsome. She looks in my eyes and she says, I love you and you're handsome. And I, it, it's taken me a long time to just even accept the words to come in. Huh. It's something that I don't think a lot of guys usually think about, but it's like, I actually didn't realize I really needed to hear that. And for her, I try to let her know that her imperfections are character. It's what makes her perfect. 
I don't want to be cryptic with the message. This is public message. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to read the thank you part on the end. Um, the thank you part is public message. And, you know, if you go looking on Forrest stuff, you're going to find it. But uh, it just says this. It says, thank you, Forrest Black. Thank you for encouraging me to let go of these false ideas of perfection and for loving me in all of these moments. And um, that's the kind of uh, gratitude that is included uh, on here. Now, uh, speaking of messages, so I often don't share about my Melanie uh, here, uh, not for any reason other than I can speak to the way that I experience uh, our relationship. And I'm getting better at that. Uh, I have a, I have this thing where I, you know, well, nobody's going to care like how I feel, right? I get this thing that I get cycle in my head and I'm getting better at it. Uh, I received this message this morning from uh, Melanie, who for me, I, the reality is she's just, she's just my rock. I can't, I've never even, couldn't even imagine having a friend like this, let alone someone who actually wants to be around me for the long term. Um, so, and here, here's the message. It just says, um, Forrest Black's new song is incredible, so beautiful. And then she says this. This is what I woke up to this morning, by the way, was this message. It's like the Bible for women like me and how you have been for me. It's almost like you could have written it for him. That's special, man. That's I that echo. She said, it's the echo. She said, I literally started crying in my car thinking of you while listening to it. So if that's the place that your music gets to, um, and yet I'm a guy that I can say, like, I'm grateful. Like I, I can send you a message and say, Hey, you free today. And you're like, yeah, come on, let's go. So I'm lucky. I have that connection to you. So I can say that and we can have this and share this, but this is happening all over. Yeah. It's been nonstop. How does that challenge your self-worth when you dig into your self-worth of all the things where you go, nobody wants to hear this. I still get that feeling. Like it's, it's, I still deal with that every day that like imposter syndrome. Why would somebody want to listen to me? You know, I've, I've done people wrong in my life. I've been, I've been a, a really tough shell because of the stuff I grew up in. I think that there's a beautiful part of getting getting in touch with yourself deeper and deeper every single day and, and starting to reveal the layers. It's hard to be vulnerable because vulnerability increases your chances of getting hurt. You know, and I think with this giant echo coming back it, it, and hearing everybody come back with it, it's again, another thing to, I, I said the other day, you know, it's, and it's a lyric in a song I once wrote, I go, if we're all alone together, are we really all alone? That's yeah. kind of what I feel like is that why would anybody want to hear me it was because I want to hear everybody. So if I want to hear everybody, well, there must be people like me out there who want to hear me and maybe I'm not for everybody. I remember when I started my career and there were people that had found, you know, somebody who, through the grapevine was like, Oh, I heard that your dad was in jail and, and you were this and you grew up this way. And that sounds like a load of crap. It sounds like it's too far fetched. Sounds like a real big fish it shut me off for years. I didn't even want to tell my story anymore because I thought that's what people were going to think of me. And then over years of like, no, this is like, it's an important thing. I'm not perfect. I'm not cut from a, from a really beautiful cloth. And I came from this, like nobody wants to hear that story anyway. And when you're born and everything's perfect, it's, it's tough. And I'm not to take away from anybody. Everyone's life is relative. What you experience is what you experience. What I'm trying to get at though, is that everybody's had hardship. Everyone has suffered. And there's a beautiful part of, 
of sitting in that suffering with other people because it's no longer suffering. It's community. It's like a connection. And you go, oh, you felt that too. That's great. And I think that that's really empowered me to keep trying to tell this story is that it's not perfect. It's a mess. It's And it's crazy to me when I tell my own story or when I, you know, Psychology Today wrote an article about me and they published a, my story in a linear way. I'd never told my story that way. Huh. To see that in a linear way was really impactful, hard hitting for me. because I was like, whoa, it's such a big story. It's so hard to understand even for myself, like I'm saying. So I think that it's beautiful. And I think the more honest I am and the, the more I'm, I'm opening up, the more that it's coming back. But it, it is hard sometimes, it, a lot of times. Well, I, I'll just acknowledge the fact that that whole, even the word jail, um, that was a part of our private conversation from almost 20 years ago. That was not public conversation 20 years ago. So how far you've come. Um, well, I love you very much. And I, uh, I'm grateful for everything that you do. You inspire me in my writing uh, for sure. And uh, presence and all the things. And uh, you're not so bad with a guitar either. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll try and do a Christmas cover for you next year. <laughs> Sweet. I would love that. I think that'd be great. I think it would be fantastic. Uh, Forrest Black. Uh, it's B-L-A-K-K. It's going to be the easiest way. Forest is Forest, and Black is B-L-A-K-K. Uh, you're going to find them on the Spotify and all of the, the things. And the spoken word stuff is out there too. I do suggest that you spend a little time in your driving or your walking or whatever with it. Uh, thank you, brother, for, for spending time with me and for sharing that and in sharing this story. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. One last thing I just want to say. I'm a real person, and people can connect me, or connect to me, rather. And so much so that I put my phone number all over the internet. If you want to find me, go over to Instagram, send me a text. It's not like a, you're not going to get like a, an automated message of just thank you. Like literally send me a text and you'll be surprised maybe that they hear back from me. I just, it's really important that everyone feels like we're all connected. It matters to me. So 310-496-3464. There it is. Forrest Black. If you love her, it's The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. Take it. Gives you her heart, don't you break it Let your arms be a place she feels safe in She's the best thing that you'll ever have She always has trouble falling asleep And she likes to cuddle while under the sheets She loves pop songs and dancing and bad trash TV there's still a few other things She loves love notes and babies And likes giving gifts Has a hard time accepting A good compliment And she loves her whole family And all of her friends So if you're the one she lets in Like that. Kiss 
answer with passion as much as you can Run your hands through her hair whenever she's sad And when she doesn't notice how pretty she is Tell her over and over so she never forgets Podcast. Okay, so um, I don't know who this Irish imposter is that is Ryan O'Donnell on the shift. Clearly. Um, hey. We, we went to break there with House of Pain. And Ryan's like, what? This could be a generational issue, but I would like to say that um, your parents and I need to have a conversation if you don't know that. And and while we're throwing Ryan under the bus, sorry, buddy, yes. I know this was a was was an off air conversation, but I was shocked. And and maybe maybe it's it's a generational thing. I don't know, but you were shocked that Thin Lizzy were Irish. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, I I admit my musical uh, knowledge of anything Irish is very flawed. However, let, I, just nobody told me. Jump around, they're they're like they're white guys from Ireland. It doesn't like yep. I had no idea. Like any movie that used that song, it's usually like associated in a moment of hip hop. So I just was like, yeah, it's good hip hop. I didn't know they don't like it. it just if, if I'm shook, okay? I didn't know. All right. Like, do you I have, understand I am in the wrong here. Do you but... at least know that, that you too is from, from your yes. from Ireland? Yes, okay. I do know that. They're okay. from Ireland. Do you and know the, Dub- Morrissey... the Dubliners are? The Dubliners. Yeah, well, really? No. <laughs> hey, man, I if you don't know that House of Pain's not, I think that opens up to everything. Okay, here's a little bit of uh, because House of Pain is from Ireland and Ryan did not know. Uh, just to be clear, this song is called Shamrocks and Shenanigans. And uh, Ryan, just because I realized that 
you have to understand, it's a little intro here, but I just think it's surprising, right? Do you think that hip hop would come from Ireland? It's just, you know, it's just a well, little. It does though. Surprising, it does clearly. That's what makes it I mean, amazing. Like, it's great right, history to a, rap about. Here's a little clip for you. So, and then, of course, this was my favorite one, just because we're talking about the music. Shamrocks and Shenanigans is probably their fourth or fifth most popular of the tunes, but I loved it because of this version of it when it came out. So I realize you're a little surprised, but uh, maybe we can open it a little bit. See? <laughs> it sounds like a WWE wrestler's intro music, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it? But if you're ever, I'm expecting if you're ever... Steve Austin to come out and punch someone in the face. Well, that's just it, though. If you ever imagine an Irish pub and then like a brawl that pours out the doors into the streets, um, that that would be... That would be it right there. Um, yeah, what's the? There was an Irish pub in downtown Vancouver. It's the Fox or the Johnny no, Johnny Foxes. Johnny Foxes, yeah. Yeah, man, that was a good time. <laughs> I spent a couple of nights there. Holy, that's the full-on real deal. Uh, that's the real deal spots. So might as well open that up for everybody else. If you have a real deal Irish spot, like we're talking where the you know the Irish folks go, um, share it, 877-399-9898. Your calls, your text messages, always welcome here. Glad we could share some of the, the music enlightenment that is House of Pain for young Ryan. That's good. Um, Moondial, yay, nay, we're, we're done, we're moving on, we're leaving it. We got an email saying I missed the Moondial, so. Um, yeah, it's just chilling out. It's having a good uh, a good St. Paddy's Day, just uh, having a pint of Guinness and listening to and Lizzie and House of Pain and, you know, all those great, great Irish bands. I love it. Are you okay? <laughs> love you, Ryan. I love you, too. <laughs> I, you know, I got to tell you, that that little um, infraction right there, I mean, that can get a guy stripped of the O in front of his name. Uh, like you yeah, might be, I'm aware. You might I have feel, to be I Ryan Donnell now. Don't even. I will, do you have any idea how long I have fought uh, Ryan McDonald? No, there's no Donald. It's just O'Donnell. There's no D at the end there. Ugh. I'll talk about my family history all day. Maybe you feel a little bit better about me being Irish. Irish. Right. Irish. Are you okay? Are you okay with O'Donnell's? <laughs> hey. I'm, I'm always okay with O'Donnell's. Okay, good answer. Yeah. I love the, um, I like the chicken O'Nuggets. Oh, you're going there. Oh, I see. I see. Well, I like the big Hewitt. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work. (laughs) That didn't work. I think it did. Okay, now if you just tuned in and that's what you just heard from Ryan, (laughs) let me clarify. I would like to clarify <laughs> what just happened here. Um, first of all, that is inappropriate for human resources. 
Second of all, um, Ryan said how he hated being an O'Donnell and being called a McDonald or a McDonald. So I said, are you okay with O'Donnell's? Let's just start this again. Let's pretend that didn't happen because that got weird. Okay. Are you okay? Take two. Are you okay with McDonald's? Uh, there you go. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I was able to. <laughs> I was able to. Oh my god, that's terrible. Okay, um, McDonald's. Yeah, it's okay. It's good for a quick, quick little bite on the run. I was able to eat solid food again, comfortably, semi comfortably. Nice. So I got a couple of couple of grease burgers tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, despite the uh, the naming frustration, I love McDonald's. You know. I don't know. There's just something about the cheese, man, on those burgers. I know it's fake. I know it's horrible for me, but oh my God, I love McDonald's so much. I agree. I, I, I think it. McDonald's is fantastic. I think that they've done a really great job bringing their menu up to to you know healthier standards. It's still fast food, sure, but I mean, I think it's a heck of a lot better than it used to be, and you can get some good food there. There's a quarter pounder with cheese, only cheese, only pickles. The French fries are second to none. Like the, the, I mean, They're that's the, the best. best. The uh, sausage and egg McMuffin is is the best. Like there, there's some things there. Like you look at Tim Hortons is they they've got this new campaign out where they were talking about you know there's nothing better than a real egg in your morning sausage. And it was like you guys are marketing the fact that the other guys have been doing it right all along. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Big Hewitt never been called that before. <laughs> all right. Uh, a woman has gone viral on TikTok after showing off a McDonald's meal that's been sitting in a sealed container for 17 years. In oh. the clip, TikTok user Savannah has her mom hold up a McDonald's paper bag, telling everyone she got it in April 2004. She then opens the bag and pulls out a cheeseburger and fries. And yes, the fries are still golden. How many years ago? Is- oh, that smelled bad. Oh. Anyone want some french fries? <laughs> 2004. 16. Almost 17 years french ago. Fries. Oh, yeah, that reeks. Anyone want a double cheeseburger? No mold whatsoever. That is crazy. Oh, it's, it's hard. It's glued. Oh, Stop it. I guess this is a single cheese. This is just one cheeseburger, not a double. cheese? Wait, where's the cheese? cheese? It looks like peanut butter. It looks like peanut butter. Gross. Last year, McDonald's released a statement explaining why their 90s food wasn't decomposing. In order to decompose, you need certain conditions, including moisture. Without sufficient moisture, either in the food in itself or the environment, bacteria and mold may not grow, and therefore decomposition is unlikely. I would like to actually defend McDonald's in this conversation about this scenario here. because Go for it. There are so many preservatives and antibiotics in the food chain and preservatives in general. Food doesn't go bad. We've talked about best before dates on the shift before. And I got to tell you, I've had lettuce in my fridge, romaine lettuce, and forgot about it at the back. And there might be two leaves that have gone black. It does not go moldy. It does not go bad. And when you cut it, I was curious, so I cut it in half to see. And it was shriveling and drying before it was going bad. Apples is another thing. I've bought apples from the store that look perfect on the outside, and the core is quite rotten. That's how old the apples are. And there are so many preservatives in food in general 
I think this is an unfair swipe at McDonald's. I think that, I mean, I've had food in the fridge for, I had some roast beef that was a week old in the fridge the other day. And I was like, oh, well, let's roll the dice. Don't want to go to the store and had it. And you know what? It was fantastic. Mm. And it really? was great. And it was refrigerated right from what came off the stove, cooled and went straight into the fridge. And um, I think this is an unfair swipe on McDonald's I, because, I, you know, 17 years, sure, you know, that's a long time. But the reality is, is there are so much preservatives in everything today that I think everything lasts a little bit longer. And I think we as consumers, I think we're, we're getting scammed in general because all of this stuff lasts longer. And like it, it truly does. Um, some of it goes bad quicker I, uh, yeah. on purpose. Ben- like especially bananas. if you go like organic. Yeah, bananas are whole. Yeah, that's why I don't buy bananas because you bananas buy them get, and they're they get done in three gassed, days. Though. Get, bananas get gassed at the warehouse, right? So they bananas come in green. They get shipped green so they don't go bad. And then when they get to the warehouse and they're ready to ship to the stores, they go into gas chamber for a day. They get gassed so they start to ripen faster. And then they go to the stores. So, you know, Food chain stuff is is terribly misunderstood in our world, and I think that that's um, uh, you know, I think I think it's an unfair swipe at McDonald's, though. Gotta say, no, I'm not getting paid to say that. Nice. Are you okay? Are you okay with messages in bottles? Messages in bottles? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, anytime that I find myself trapped on a desert island and I'm going insane from the solitude and the isolation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, Absolutely. you know, I've become like really deep friends with a with a volleyball. You know, a message in a bottle would help me stay more connected with the outside world. Hmm. I like it from the pirate angle, <laughs> treasure map and stuff. I'd <laughs> be booty Arr. in that bottle. I'm not one to uh, to uh, quote Nickelback lyrics, but there is a song and a lyric that says of how Chad has been to the bottom of many bottles, and there is no salvation at the bottom of those bottles. So. Mm-hmm. Is there's a note at the bottom of the bottle as long as we get to drain it? Thumbs up. Uh, Nova Scotia boy uh, did strike gold this week. He found a bottle with a note off the coast. Eight-year-old uh, Nima was enjoying a family campfire when he found a message in a bottle that was tossed into the water more than 50 miles away 25 years ago. He used a pair of pliers to remove the bottle's cap and discovered the message dated August 12, 1995. It was signed by then 14-year-old Quebec girl who was visiting the Magdalene Islands with her family. Uh, Britta Mitchell, Nima's mother, said the bottle likely spent some time in a nearby pond after blowing in from the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, he was shocked to receive a letter saying, oh, the original writer was shocked to see receive a letter saying the bottle had been found. It's unexpected news. It comes in the mail. Someone found a bottle that completely forgot about and was sent so long ago. Kind of cool. Here's the story from 2000, a similar story from 2016 when a message in a bottle was found off of California. Heather Baird and her son Ryder were celebrating Ryder's fifth birthday with a walk on the beach in beautiful Mendocino, California. Ryder had just crossed this log bridge when he suddenly spotted a bottle stuck in the sand. Well, he was hoping it was a treasure map. The bottle cap reads Original New York Seltzer, a company that went out of business 22 years ago. So I was pretty shocked to open up the little plastic baggie and find the note. It was perfect inside, totally dry. Inside, to their astonishment, was this handwritten letter. Hi, my name is Chris. I am 10 years old and in the fifth grade. I live in Sacramento. Call me when you find this to let me know where it floated to shore. The date, September 5th, 1988, 27 years ago. That was a long time ago. 
<laughs> uh, to clarify the map, uh, Nova Scotia, right? And then there's PEI sort of tucked right in there. And above that is um, the Magdalen Islands uh, that come up there. Uh, still pretty cool, though, Gulf of St. Lawrence and the fact that it's been so long since that happened. Um, I think that's cool. There you go. Cool. Are you okay? Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.